Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Brian Crumby Radio Hour on Saga 960. Uh, I wanted to uh, invite back Laura uh, Friedman-Williams, uh, who is an author of, a, of an incredibly interesting book called Available, which is all about uh, um, life after life and, and, and sex and dating after divorce. Um, and it's a book that I, um, I connected up with and uh, an individual I connected up with uh, back a month or so ago. And we had a, uh, I thought, a fascinating first chat. And, uh, and then, Laura, I got to tell you, over a Labor Day weekend, I downloaded uh, your book and, uh, and listened to it all weekend long. And, uh, and I think I sent you a message about this. I felt like mm-hmm. we had become fast friends, even though it was <laughs> only one way, me uh, listening to what you had to say. And I felt so sad when the weekend was over and Aww. I didn't know what was going on afterwards. <laughs> I wanted to hear sort of the, the rest of the story. But it was really interesting. That's because, amazing. Uh, Laura, uh, in her book, what she does is she goes through a bunch of, um, number one, a whole story about her divorce and, uh, and, and why the marriage didn't work and what happened with the divorce and how traumatic that was. And, and that was really quite interesting. But then what you do is you go through um, I guess six different gentlemen that uh, that you uh, that you were with uh, post well, uh, a few uh, more than that. Okay, well, I, <laughs> yes, you're right. A few more than that, um, and uh, and it was really quite an interesting. And then I started evaluating which one I would have been if I was lucky enough to be one of the ones. And it was fascinating because I came to the conclusion that I would have been amazing. number six. Um, well, and, he's the one that stayed. So nice job. <laughs> well, but my, I think our personalities and, and the style uh, was very similar. So it's interesting. I felt like I was almost living in uh, in your um, in your book. It was interesting. That's amazing. And it was, it was yeah. a wonderful story. I love that. I mean, are you somebody's number six? I am not somebody's number six. <laughs> Well, there's still hope. There's still hope. So tell me, uh, what motivated you to write this book and to be so open about the six plus people that you had slept with after your divorce? I think that for me, writing the book, it, there was such a seismic shift in my life. Um, the life I'd been living, I was very intent on living for the rest of my life. I had no interest in altering my life. I wasn't somebody who was having a midlife crisis and was like, hey, you know what? I'm actually not that happy. I was happy and I intended to stay. And my husband's infidelity changed the narrative for me. So I things took such a different turn than I ever would have imagined that I thought it was an interesting story, you know, and I thought it was it, it could be interesting to other people going through traumatic changes in their own lives, not just because of divorce, but for any reason to understand that if you're open, anything can happen. I never would have seen my life taking the direction it took. And I really was fascinated, like objectively looking at myself that a life could take a turn like that. So I wanted to share that. And once I started sharing, I wanted to share everything because I'm actually, I've always been a very open and honest person and I never want to tell half of a story. So it just sort of felt like either you do it or you don't, either you put it all out there or you just keep it private. And so I just put it all out there. And and what you had said is that uh, a lot of your girlfriends listened to the stories, loved them and encouraged you to, to write the story. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, my girlfriends were awesome because they were like my cheerleading team. And there was, you know, there, there were some different things going on. One is that they loved me. They wanted me to move on. They wanted to see me be happy again. And my adventures were making me happy. And that 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 helped them cheer me on. The second thing is that a lot of them are in really long marriages and they were like, wow, 
what would happen if I was single and found myself in a man's hotel room, you know, and I could do anything I wanted. So they were like hanging on every word. So there were two things happening, cheering for sure. It was coming from a place of love. And then also just like a sort of 50 shades of gray uh, curiosity of what sex life could be like as a single woman in her midlife. And tell us what is sex life like for a single woman in her midlife? It's awesome. It's like the best thing ever. I mean, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like, I mean, the last time I was single, you know, I met my husband when I was 20. So I'd had a few sexual experiences, not many, and I enjoyed it. But, you know, I was young. I was worried about getting pregnant. I was worried about getting caught. I was, you know, there was like, there were roommates coming and going. There was, there were always, um, you know, it was like thrilling and new and fun. But there were always uh, circumstances, you know, that made it a little bit um, stressful. And then I was with my husband and then we had three children. And then it was a whole different layer of sex is like quick and on the on the sly because, you know, there's a kid who's about to walk in all the time. And so being free now, I'm, I just feel so liberated because I can I sometimes have to remind myself I can I can have sex with whoever I want to have sex with. And it doesn't I'm not looking for a relationship all the time. I mean, I'm actually in a relationship with somebody and we have a really nice sex life. But, um, you know, I could still I could still have a one night stand if I wanted to. I feel so free. Like I love having sex with different people and I feel like I can do anything I want. And I know I can't get in trouble anymore. I can't get pregnant. I mean, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I still could. I doubt it. Um, but you know, I know myself, I know what I like, I know what I don't like, and I, I feel free to do whatever I want. So what's the lesson of the book and your experience? Is it to, to go and sleep with a whole bunch of people or is it no. just to be open to, you know, new things or what, what, what's the message that you want people to get from reading your book? That's a good question. It's not, it's definitely not to go out and have a lot of sex. That works for me. I'm very clear about this. Uh, that, that really was effective for me. And, and there are a lot of women, by the way, for whom it is effective. A lot of people have told me they did similar things, had a lot of sex after uh, a marriage ending, and it really made them feel empowered. You don't have to do that, but you do have to find yourself and you have to empower yourself. And whatever that means to you, however you get that, that is my message. You can do that. You can be a different person uh, and and really embrace the new you and grieve the life that you lost, that you loved, while still being open to the different life that you could have. And those are not so so giving up on one. They're not mutually exclusive. You can do both. I still am sad a little bit that my marriage didn't I didn't get the long lasting marriage. I still have pangs, you know, of seeing people together who've been together for years and seeing their anniversaries and their family portraits. I, I still feel it. I didn't But you would have say, had to oh, uh, miss out on the, the last couple of years of incredible sex. Yeah. And I wouldn't give that up for anything. So I can miss it and not want it back, you know, and I think that that's what I've come to realize is that you can feel both. It's okay to mourn your marriage and also to want something totally different. It's okay also to be a woman in your midlife who loves her independence, loves her sexual freedom, and loves the fact that she can do whatever the fuck she wants. Sorry, am I allowed to say that on radio? I no. mean, my, my sorry, sorry, sorry. My, my point is um, I was, I really was dictated in my life until I was 47 by the roles that I had taken on, wife, mother. That was pretty much it for me. And when I was released from being a wife, I had to find myself again as a woman. And that enabled me not only to have this really fun and um, you know year or two of just crazy sex, but I also found my voice as a writer. And I don't know that it would have happened. The sex gave me the voice to write and it's all cyclical. So anything can happen. You know, it doesn't have to be writing. It doesn't have to be sex. Whatever your thing is, you can go and find it. And that, I guess that's what really... I got out of the book is that uh, divorce isn't an end. No. No, it's the end of a marriage um, and maybe the end of one way of life. It's not the end of your life. It's the end of a chapter. And I think if you can see it that way. And, and also, I don't I think it's very unhealthy to look at anything you've committed a lot of your time to as saying that was not a success. So my marriage ended. Um, it wasn't unsuccessful. I had a good run 
we had a really good run. We produced three incredible children. I wouldn't trade them for anybody in the world. So I see it as really a successful 27 years that we had together. And now I'm in my next chapter. We're chatting tonight with uh, Laura Friedman Williams, who is an author of a book called Available. Laura, where can people get the book? Uh, anywhere, really. It's in. It's on Amazon. You can order it on Amazon. You can download it and listen to it on audio. I've um, I recorded it, so it's it's my telling of my story. It's available as an ebook. Um, if you're outside the U.S. and Canada, like if you're in England, it's also available in bookstores. Right now, it's, I think it's only available in U.S. and Canada on Amazon, but it is totally purchasable there. We're going to take a break and come back more with uh, Laura Friedman Williams in just a minute. Stay with us. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. Welcome back to the Brian Crumby Radio Hour on Saga 960. I'm chatting again tonight with uh, Laura Friedman Williams, who is the author of a uh, of a fascinating book called Available Dating and uh, and Sex After Marriage. Um, and uh, Laura, I, I, I mentioned to you that I um, I listened to it over the Labor Day weekend and uh, and you did record it uh, yourself in your own voice. Mm. Um, and and you're very personal in uh, your stories and very mm. forthright in your stories. And I really felt like you were, you know, a friend of mine just mm -hmm. telling me your whole story. And I became so involved in your story. It was, I guess it's number one, beautifully written. And number two, the stories are, are funny and interesting. Mm -hmm. and, and one or two of them were not fun mm -hmm. and interesting. And that was also part of uh, part of experience. I think it was number four and a half uh, was yes. that, uh, that uh, I yeah. remember was, was not such a good story. Yeah. Uh, but that's part of life uh, and part of yeah. reality. And learning. I, um, I really felt like I got to know you. I love that. That makes well. me so happy. That's like the best compliments I could ever get. Have other um, people had a similar reaction? Yeah, people have said, I feel like you're my friend now and um, I miss you. And I, I love that because I, I think I really put it all out there. And, um, and for people to feel that they know me, and for me to know that I really put out my authentic self, so they're not knowing a version of me, that that was me on those pages. I mean, I think I told everything that was, um, you know, whether it was flattering to me or really embarrassing or humiliating or, you know, whatever, I, I put it all out there. And I, it really is wonderful that people connect to me that way because I love to hear from people and I love to know that I had any kind of an impact or that people felt that I was good company. Um, I mean, what, a, what an honor for me to, to be able to do that for people is it's like really I thrilling Day weekend with you. <laughs> well, I'm even more fun in person, believe me, but, uh, but, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad you felt that way. And, um, and I'm glad that you found the stories, you know, fun or scary or whatever, you know, they, they ran the gamut. I think when you tell such a personal story, you sort of have to embrace that you're putting it all out there and then people feel like they do know everything about you. Sometimes I'll say to some somebody that I meet like, oh, well, you know, I, I like it. I like things this way or, um, you know, I don't whatever. And they're like, yeah, we know. We know everything. We know everything. Like, right, 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 right. Do and they I'm okay know with that. everything? Have you got everything in the book? I mean, I really told everything. Like, I can't think of you can ask me anything that you think wasn't in the book and, and I'll answer it for you. I mean, I, I can't think of anything. I, I mean, I really got personal, you know, I talked about how confusing it was to have sex in the beginning when I was um, newly single, that I didn't understand the rules and I was super awkward a lot of times, or I did things out of turn. And I talk about that. And I talk about how I developed a language for sex because I didn't have that either. You know, some of the words that people use when they're talking about sex, I didn't even have that. I talk about, you know, going to uh, consult magazines to up some of my tactics, you know, because I'd been really out of practice. Um, so, yeah, I don't. What type I don't, of tactics I can't think. you have to update? Well, you know, just some sexual ones. You know, things like, I, I mean, Cosmopolitan is a font of information. If you need to up your game in any way, you just Google, things, you know. Yeah. One of the things you talk about a lot, and I think you recently talked about on a, on a podcast with someone else, was hair. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. So it's such a popular topic. Why? 
I don't know. Everybody's obsessed with pubic hair. It's so interesting to me. So I wrote an article for Vogue UK and they said, you know, they asked me to write a piece about my book and I used pubic hair as the lens through which I was talking about the difference of being a woman who was single at 20 and a woman who's single now at 50. And what I talked about was pubic hair because when I was 20, it was still a thing. Like we had it, um, you know, I had lots of it. And I, when I went back out into the world of dating, what I found out was that men really didn't want women to have hair anymore. It was all about the Brazilian, which, you know, leaves a little, I guess, landing strip or the Hollywood, which is like, there's no hair at all. And a few men brought it up with me. So I wrote this Vogue article and I sent it to a friend to say, what do you think? And she, she, and I said, you know, at least now I'm up to date on the trends. And she writes me back and she says, I hate to tell you this, but you're behind once again, because Vogue just published an article about how a full bush is back. <laughs> I said, that's, I, I cannot keep up with this. I can't get it right. So that was part of my article too, was the fact that, well, I'm not in Vogue. I mean, I'm not in the current trend because uh, I decided to stay hairless. But many women have this experience of um, going back out in the world and finding out that what worked when we were 20 and what men liked back anymore. then. No. And I, it's okay. I'm okay keeping up with some trends as long as, you know, I like it. I have to like, if I don't like it, I'm not doing it for anybody. Now you, but you felt insulted at one point in time. I can't remember which number it was when some uh, guy asked you to, uh, to, if, if, and, and frankly, almost more than asked, uh, I'm close to demanded uh, that you uh, go get uh, uh, waxed. Well, two men did actually number five and number six. And number five, I didn't like enough to really feel that I was going to alter anything for him. He, I was just like, no. Number six was trickier because he he and I had sort of really started to form a relationship and it was like a personal preference. So I didn't feel that he was asking me to change myself for him. I felt that he was letting me know that something was more of a turn on for him. And I, you know, that's open communication. He didn't say it as I felt insulted, but when I really thought about it, I realized it was just him expressing something that he prefers. And if we were gonna be together, you know what? I've got things I prefer too. I mean, I, I personally don't wanna also get a mouthful of someone's hair. So, you know, fair enough. So, so, I, so I, tell I, us uh, what is the trend in, in, the, in the six plus men that you have been with or what, what do you prefer? hairless you mean in terms of hair or just in general for men yeah i i mean i like a man to be well groomed and um you know i also like a man to be in shape like i, I like a nice i like a fit man who is groomed you know who manscapes so it's uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander yeah it works it's all around it's it's uh you know i was i did a podcast with this comedian recently she was so funny she said but if you both or bare and there's like any like hair growth and then it's like stubble, you're like Velcro, you know, you're like cheap people. And I said, well, you, you can't do that. If, if you go bare, you have to be committed to it. You've got to keep it up. It's like anything you put your, you throw yourself into it. You know, you described this experience with uh, this guy uh, down in the Caribbean. Um, mm. What was his name? I can't remember right now. Blaze. Blaze, yes, Blaze. <laughs> and uh, and he was someone who you had met on a couple of different vacations uh, previously, and yeah. you had developed this fantasy about, um, and um, and you went and fulfilled the fantasy with him. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Was it as good as you dreamed? No, it was a little exhausting, to be honest with you. Like he was, <laughs> he was really young. Uh, you know, like in his early thirties maybe and really fit and he had a lot of energy. And after a while I was like, oh my God, I just want to go home and go to bed. Like I just want to crawl into my clean hotel sheets and go to sleep. I, I think I've had enough. So it was like the, the thrill of the hunt, I would say, you know, like this is a man that I've had my eye on for years, but I was married. I wasn't, wouldn't do anything. I just kind of like even to fantasized aloud about him. You know, I wasn't like quiet about him. I was, I would talk about how breathtaking I found him, even to my husband. But I, I mean, it was just talk. And so when we, when I went down there and I was single, my goal was like to um, get him to notice me. It was like I had gone shopping for bikinis. Like it was a mission, you know, so that I would find the perfect bikini that when I put it on, he would be like, there she is, there, here she comes. And it, it worked. 
And so it was so thrilling to get this man to notice me and to want me. Um, so yeah, so some of the fantasy absolutely was amazing. But by the end of that night, he was like, he was number 10. And really by the end of that night with him, I was like, you know what? I got it. I got, I got it. I know what I want. I, I know I'm wanted. I, I, I desired, I desire, I can cool it now. Cause I'm just, now I'm just tired. And you never went back for a return visit with him. Yeah. No, I was so, I mean, he had suggested we meet the next night and I was like, oh, I don't know. I'll be with the family. I mean, it wasn't that I didn't want it again. It was just like, I felt like once was enough. Like it, I got, I, I met my goal. My goal was to be devoured by this man. And I was, and devoured. I didn't need it again. I was devoured. devoured. <laughs> Does the, 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 the most females want to be devoured at least once? I believe so. And I don't know if they're if they're not saying that they want to, then either they just haven't been devoured in a while and forgot what it feels like, or they're maybe a little out of touch with themselves sexually. Because I think most people want to be devoured. I mean, I think most people want to be desired, right? That's that's what's hard about having sex with the same person for decades is the the desire wanes. And um, I think that's one of the hard things to keep up. So, so my experience with my friends, uh, because we're very open about this topic, obviously, is that they want to be desired. And that means being, I mean, for me, desire and devouring, you know, it's all sort of the same category. So, so, so given the experience that you've had, um, if you were in a long-term relationship again, and it sounds like you might be with number six, um, how do you keep that desire? How do you keep that, uh, that, that, devour. Yeah. I think about that a lot. And six and I talk about it a lot because it's something that I'm concerned about. We're going on three years. And so I want to make sure we preserve that. One of the ways I think in which we've been able to preserve it is that we don't spend huge amounts of time together. Um, you know, I still have children living at home, so I'm home with them most of the time. And then he and I will have, you know, weekend night together, a couple nights here and there. So we still, even though we're very connected emotionally, um, physically, we're still leading very, you know, separate lives. So when we haven't seen each other for a week, the chemistry is still there. The design. But you is said still that you, you talk almost every night before you go to bed. Yeah, we always talk. I mean, as I said, we're very emotionally connected. It's not like, okay, we'll see you next Saturday. We're talking, you know, multiple times a day. We have a very deep connection, but we, but we're not seeing each other. So if we don't, if we don't see each other for a week or two, or recently I was in California with my kids, so we didn't see each other for like almost three weeks, you know, then the newness is still there. And we have such good chemistry, I think, that when we haven't seen each other for a few weeks or even a week, when we see each other again, like we're really excited to see each other again. And the desire is still there. I think so when that goes away, it'll be an issue. When if, if it goes away. When you were describing number six and his personality traits and, uh, and, and the way you interacted and, uh, and the things he did, I identified with, uh, with number six, um, except for one thing. What was the thing? He allowed you to go see Blaze. And if anything, he almost encouraged you to go see Blaze. Oh, interesting. And I, just, I don't know if I could have done that. How did how did number six put up with is not the right word. Um, Allow, tolerate, it, encourage. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, it's a very good question. And I don't want to put words into his mouth. I think, first of all, um, he's evolved as a human being. Um, I think that he understands that this is who I am. And if he wants to be with me, and then he has to embrace all of who I am and that this is an aspect that I just can't put away. And I have made it clear if I had to put this aspect of myself away, if I had to put myself back into a box, I would have to walk away from the relationship because I can't give that up. Maybe someday I'll be ready to. I'm not now. You know, I'm three and a half years out of my marriage and I'm not. And I think that he's willing. He accepts it. You know, I don't know. He might want it other ways, but he accepts that this is what I need. And he he's so supportive of me and encourages me um, to be who I am and who I am becoming along this journey that he understands. It's just one of the risks that is is inherent is that I may, you know, I may still have 
a one night stand with somebody and um you know our deal is that i would tell him i don't like secrets i don't i don't i think communication is the most important thing so i would tell him if i did um i don't think it's easy for him i don't think he's like thrilled with it i don't think that he feels you know i i don't know if he would prefer that i not he you know what he's he's actually he doesn't say i would prefer you not he just doesn't say it um which is interesting. I, I mean, if, I guess if, uh, he had the female equivalent of a blaze um, fantasy and wanted to fulfill it. What would you tell him? Go for it. I mean, we joke about it all the time. Like when I'm out of town for a few weeks or he knows he's not going to see me because I've got the kids home and he's not going to see me. We joke that he's got to you know, brush up his match profile. Um, he once jokingly said, well, you're the writer. Can you like redo it for me? And I was like, no, I'm not helping you. You, you can do what you want, but I'm not like aiding and abetting this. Um, but I guess I don't, I haven't been in that position yet. I'm definitely don't want to ever be a hypocrite. So if he wants to, he should, if he's curious, then he should. I think he and I are in different. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus stages like he had a very long bachelorhood you know, he didn't settle down until he was in his late 30s. So he had many years of relationships and uh, of having sex with different women. And so he experienced something I didn't. And he understands that there's a difference between us because of that. But I absolutely, I'm sure I'd be very, you know, I'm sure he would feel a little threatened and a little jealous. But I think I'd also be kind of impressed. Like, wow, look at you. You got a lot of energy. <laughs> We're chatting with Laura Friedman Williams, the author of a fascinating book called Available uh, about uh, dating and sex after uh, divorce. Uh, we're going to take a break for some messages and come back more with Laura in just a minute. Stay with us. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca. Welcome back to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. I'm having a uh, fun chat tonight with uh, Laura Friedman Williams, who's the author of a book that uh, I had the opportunity to listen to, not read, but listen to uh, uh, via Audible uh, called Available uh, Dating and uh, what, what, what's the exact subtitle? Dating and Sex After uh, Marriage? Sweet. Uh, available, a memoir of sex and dating after a marriage ends. And it's available on Amazon, at bookstores, and uh, and on Audible. And uh, as I was telling uh, uh, Laura earlier, I spent uh, Labor Day weekend listening to her. Mm-hmm. She uh, audi- she um, she is the uh, the uh, what do you call it? The, the person who speaks, um, reads the narrator. The, the narrator. Thank you. Of the book <laughs> so I really felt not only listening to her stories, but listening to her voice. That mm-hmm. I spent Labor Day weekend with her and uh, and and became engrossed and uh, and and uh, and just loved the stories and, and learned a lot. Um, I got to ask you a couple of other questions. I, I have sure. a dog given, given the experiences <laughs> that you've had with dogs, what, what rules have you got for men with dogs? Oh my God. Keep the dog out of the bedroom. That's rule. Number one, the dog has to go out of the bedroom. Don't let the dog on the bed and don't let the dog watch from the side of the bed. Like that. It's just very clear. This is a, a line in the sand. But the other thing is that you, you you got upset when people had to walk the dogs when they brought you home. So <laughs> they brought you home from something and then they'd walk the dog before they could come back into the bedroom with you. OK, well, that's fair, though. I mean, they have to walk the dog. It's fair. Like they have to I have to wait to be devoured because the dog has to be walked. OK, but then don't let the dog in the room. Honestly, I mean, I had there was one night with this dog watching me. 
it was like the most jarring experience I've ever had to be given like the side eye by the jealous dog. Uh, and I was so happy because at one point, by the time I got to number four, he like kind of pushed the dogs out of the house and closed the do door. And I was like, thank God, because sometimes you kick the dog out of the room and you still hear the dog whining on the other side of the dog and on the other side of the door. So my that's my big advice. If you have a dog, just church and state, the, the dog can't be in the bedroom. The other thing that I found interesting, well, I found lots of interesting things, um, but, uh, you know, obviously I was reading it from a men's male's perspective yeah, that's interesting. Um, and uh, and trying to learn some lessons. <laughs> um, the you were initiator often. Yeah. Um, and um, and was that good or was that bad? What what do you do you like it when the man is the initiator or do you actually like it? And is this something that that you enjoyed in your in your middle age that uh, that all of a sudden you got to be the initiator? Tell us a little yeah, bit about yeah. what those relationships are like. I think I like it both ways. You know, I, I'm fine either way, but I do. I did find it very empowering to be the person who could initiate it because that had never been my experience. My experience was always very uh, sort of like patriarchal, you know, like the man pays, the man decides when he's going to kiss you, the man decides when he's going to have sex with you. Like it's all sort of in his hands and you're just sort of waiting for it to play out. And I realized that didn't have to be the way that I could absolutely take control and have and say what I wanted or have what I wanted. So I, I did learn to initiate um, because I wanted, as I said, I was really I felt like I was really on a fact finding mission. So I wanted most of my dates to end with sex. And I, if I had to make that happen, I would. Um, I had a couple of interesting experiences with that. One man uh, told me afterwards that he found it like too forward that what I had done it and he stayed with this was number five and we continued to date. But he told me later that he had found it very, um, he was surprised by it and taken aback by how quickly I, he wanted it to unfold a little bit more naturally. And he felt that I was almost aggressive. Yeah. And, and um so that was a lesson for me, you know, also like, okay, respect that, like some men want to move slower. Um, that's, it's not all, it's not a one person show, right? Like I certainly didn't like it when I wasn't ready to have sex with somebody and I did any, number four and a half, this is, um, you know, I wasn't, I didn't want to have sex with him. I wasn't ready to, and he, he made moves very quickly and I acquiesced, which is you know, a whole different subject. And that was very upsetting for me. And then with number six, uh, like he didn't even kiss me goodnight. So I was like, this is, this is not how I go. This is not, I don't roll like this. But I think he was a little nervous and he was very respectful and a little old school. And so my, I made all my best moves to, to try to get him there. And it just, it didn't, he wasn't going for it. So I don't know, you know, I think it's okay. I think it's okay for women. I just feel like all the things I understood about the rules of engagement for women in sex just sort of went out the window. And I think I really embrace that. Like, I'm, I'm not going to wait for a man to make a move. If I want to make a move, I'm going to make a move. I'm strong. I'm independent. I'm powerful. I get to do what I want. You had a, a thing with a guy that had a motorcycle and a motorcycle helmet. You talked about, uh, the motorcycle helmet being on the yeah, bedside yeah. Uh, when mm -hmm. you were uh, when you were doing it, um, and then uh, and then uh, firemen. Um, mm -hmm. Are there sort of uh, archetypes? Are there personality traits <laughs> that uh, that 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 you I don't know you or all females fantasize about that you? Yeah, probably like, uh, those exactly. Like a fireman, a hundred percent. A doctor. Although I was really disappointed because I always I think of doctors as like demigods. You know, they're they're like the ultimate authority to me, and just like the way that they know what to do or like, we're going to have to go in right now. We have to operate immediately. Like that was so it's like sexy to me. I am totally talking about this from like a Grey's Anatomy vantage point, obviously. Um, and then I went on a date with a doctor. Um, he was a surgeon and that was like my dream. You know, it was like all I wanted was a doctor, a surgeon, particularly. I went on the, like a date, a blind date with one, and he was so boring and he was so controlling of like the conversation and of, um, you know, just it was like I couldn't believe it. And I thought maybe I've got this all wrong. You know, maybe the ways in which they're so authoritative and, you know, they have to be very controlling. Right. In a, in a surgery or in an operating room that um, but maybe they're not the people that I would be the best sexual partners or the best people to date. So that was a big disappointment. The fireman was not disappointing. Uh, at all. 
the motorcycle rider was not disappointing. Um, the gym guy was not disappointing. Um, <laughs> Blaze was not disappointing. Um, no, I, I think that they, there were definitely some archetypes. I think I needed to fill out. It was almost like, all right, if I'm going to do this research mission, I can't just be like going for the same 10 men. Like it can't be like all one kind. I need to try different, lots of different kinds to find out the person that ultimately I want to spend more time with. And that just happened. Like it just happened naturally because I what wasn't about, looking for relationship. What about age? Blaze was almost 20 years younger. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the gym guy, uh, I think was a couple of years younger. Was, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and number six, I think is like, uh, a decade or two older. Yeah. Um, he's 15 years older. Tell me about age. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I was really open in the beginning to dating men of any age, younger or older. And I definitely have a fantasy of like, you know, it's, it's pretty uh, flattering when a young man wants you, right? When you're 20 years older than a man or 15 years older and he thinks you're like sexy and amazing, you feel young and sexy and amazing. There's nothing valid, more validating than having like, you know, a man at least a decade younger than you admire your body and your physicality and your sexuality. Um, that said, I think um, younger men, y- you know, they, they're more, a little bit more about themselves in the bedroom. Whereas I found that older men ha- were more, it was more of a, like they really wanted to please me. That was more of the goal for them was like a lot of how they got, they, that they felt a sexual experience was great. It was not just that it was great for them, but that they wanted it to be great for me too. So I started to see the merits um, of an older man. And also I just feel like older men, I mean, they're, they're just more settled in their lives. They know who they are. They're not, you know, probably they're not still searching. In the case of number six, he's divorced. So it's like, he's had the life. He's had the life with the kids and the wife. And that's not the life he wants anymore. Just like it's not the life I want anymore. So age is all over the place. I mean, I think if I was with a man who was 15 years older, but seemed old, then maybe that would not be so attractive to me. But uh, it's, it's less about the number for me than the mindset. You know, so it's really not a like, I don't think about it numerically anymore. I have friends who date much younger men. And I just I don't like for me, I just don't really see it as being sustainable because you're just in such different parts of your lives. And um, it's a fun sexually, but that's, but that's kind of the end of it. I think it's hard to make that grow into a relationship. Has uh, religion or politics been an issue? No, I, I don't care about religion. I mean, I'm Jewish. I really don't care if I'm with somebody of any race, religion, like none of that matters to me. Politics, yeah, you got me on that. I, I would, that would be rough for me. I wouldn't be able to, um, like if I wouldn't have dated a Trump supporter, um, you know, if you wouldn't somebody have dated a Trump supporter. No, no, just no, absolutely not. We'd be, we would be too misaligned. It, it, it to me, that's the, the, per, the categories of people that you would have to be to support uh, this man is so off with who I am that I just, I would know that we couldn't, we couldn't work. Um, same things like if somebody was like against abortion, like I would just know, I would think, no, like we're politically we're too off, off, we're too misaligned. I, I won't be able to relax. How can I trust you? Like we're, we're not the same people. Uh, so I would say politics would be the one thing that would stop me. Whereas race, religion, age, uh, wouldn't. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In reading your book, I get the impression that you're really, um, you know, two types of people, uh, person. You're, you're, you're this downtown urban Manhattanite um, and you love the, 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 the restaurants and, and the excitement of the city. But then I think you uh, have an upstate New York um, yeah. uh, country home. 
Uh, yeah. and, and you love the country and you talk about going to the different restaurants and the bakery and, 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 uh, and the wonderful food and the fresh food and the walks and, and the smells and all that kind of stuff. Um, are you both or are you really more yes. the city person or more the country girl? I mean, I probably would, you know, if I had to make a choice, I'd stay the city girl because that's really where my primary life is. Um, but I love both so much. And so I always feel this duality. And I, it used to be that I would spend every summer, like the minute the day school ended until the day school started, I would take the kids to the house upstate and never come back to the city for that time. So it was like two and a half months. And I loved it. And when it was time for me to pack up and leave the city in June, I would be like, you know what? I love the city so much. I don't even want to go upstate. Uh, I love taking the kids to the park. I love the sprinklers. I love the icy man. I don't even want to go. Then I'd get upstate and it would be time to come back to the city in September for school. And I'd be like, I can't go back to the city. I love it up here so much. I just want to stay here. So what I actually realized about myself is like, wherever I was, I was really happy. I was settled. Like I embraced that life. I love small town life. I love that in my house in the country, I can hear the cows down the road, you know, and that I'm always chasing bunnies out of my garden. I, I love that, but I also love being able to just walk all over the city and eat different kinds of ethnic food and see really interesting people all the time. And that, you know, if you want pizza at two o'clock in the morning, I mean, I, I guess I really, that was, I, I don't know. And so pizza for a match, um, for a longer term relationship, not necessarily just for a night, but for a longer term relationship, does the man have to be both or does he have to be city or does he have to be country? I don't think he has to be both. I think it, he could be either. I think I would, I've been, you know, there was one guy I really liked a lot, number um, three, who was totally country. And when he came into the city, it felt really weird because it felt like he really felt like a fish out of water. So I actually didn't like being in the city with him. I loved being in the country with him um, because he was really at home there and comfortable there. Um, but I don't, I don't have, you know, right now, like I still have, my daughter is 11, you know, and in middle school. So we have a long road to go still in terms of schooling and I'll stay here. Uh, my intention is to stay in New York forever. Okay, so let's but, talk about kids. Yeah. Would you, it, it, I, I presume number six kids uh, are older and so you don't yeah. have to have the worry. Would you date someone that had an 11 year old or younger? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I sometimes I think I, I should listen. I think it would be really nice. Like maybe that would be really nice for my daughter, you know, to have like a, a playmate or maybe it would be a nightmare for her. Um, I'm totally open to that. And, and Six's kids, even though they're older, um, you know, they're in their early 20s. So I, I know them well and, and I have a, a very nice relationship, particularly with his daughter, um, who I've spent more time with. So I like that relationship. I like what being able she, to. What uh, she think of the book? <laughs> well, I mean, I've, I've, out, I've encouraged her not to read it because I think that's a little TMI about your dad, you know, for her to read that. Like I, I've said you can read everything up to the part except about your dad. Um, but she, she's very proud of it. She's very proud of it. And she like will post it on her social media and tell her friends. A lot of her friends have read it. Um, and she's she loves that I'm, you know, out here talking about this stuff and encouraging her to you know, have a different kind of a life in her twenties that than I had in my twenties. You know, like don't don't settle down. Don't be so quick to settle down. Have fun. Enjoy. Sleep with lots of different kinds of men. You know, go go be free while you can. So um I think she's proud of it. We're chatting tonight with Laura Friedman Williams, the author of a book called Available, which is uh uh, her memoir of uh, sex and uh, dating after the breakup of a marriage. Uh, we're going to take a break, uh, final break, and come back with some concluding comments in just a minute. Stay with us, everybody. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. Welcome back to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. I'm having a really fun time today talking to Laura Friedman Williams, who uh, is the second time I've interviewed her. Uh, we uh, talked about a month ago, and if you're interested, uh, you should reach out and uh, uh, listen to that uh, that video or podcast. Uh, uh, more about uh, the book and about her divorce uh, in that conversation. And this time, we were talking a little bit more about sex. Um, I've uh, I, I spent Liberty Weekend listening to her book and just loved it. It's called Available. It's available on uh, Audible, uh, at uh, Amazon, uh, bookstores, etc. 
Um, Laura, I wonder if I could ask you, you know, a deep question, if I could. Um, sure. You had a, um, what was it, a 17-year marriage? 27. 27. I was with him for 27 years, yeah. 27-year marriage. Um, and you say that you got married too quickly and that you didn't have the experiences in your 20s that you you you, you could have and that you encourage other people to have today. Uh, and you've had a wonderful experience in the last couple of years of uh, of of your almost your own sexual revolution mm-hmm. um, uh, experience. What do you think about marriage today and about monogamy? Is mm. is 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 marriage not forever? I don't know. I mean, I think it really depends on how you define marriage. I think everybody, I hope when people get married, their expectation is that it will be forever. And I think you cannot see the curveballs life is going to throw you. You also cannot see the ways in which you personally will change and it may not align with your partner anymore. So I certainly, now I'm 51, you know, a lot of my friends have been married for decades and I, I see successful marriages Um, but I also see a lot of marriages that feel like the success of it is just that they're still together, you know, that that's, that's the definition of success. It lasted. Um, and so sometimes when I see people and they have anniversaries, like 50th anniversaries, and I think, would I have wanted that? Like, this is a couple, like, I I don't know. They don't always seem so happy. There's a lot of fighting. I think about my own grandparents, you know, who are married for 60 years, but miserable, And so do I believe in marriage? I definitely have a jaded view of marriage. I'm not excited about marriage anymore. That's, I'm I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I I got it. Um, It wasn't forever. What about monogamy? I just, I like, I think the thing about monogamy is that a lot of people, like you touched on this about the fact that you would not have been able, you, you feel that you would not have been able to encourage a woman you were with to be with another man, even for a one night stand for a fantasy. Not Blaze, like my <laughs> But why? Blaze, there was no future. He lived in an island somewhere. I mean, it wasn't like I was going to run off to, to, to go live in the Caribbean with him. So really, he was the least threatening person of all. There was no, there was no possibility of my doing it again. Um, I mean, maybe the next night, but I'm not, I can't fly back there. Um, but I, I mean, for me, I think it's very important for people to be able to maintain their own private lives, even in a relationship. We don't own each other and we can't control each other. And so if I trust someone and they want to, and, and sex is very important for them, and they want to be able to continue to have sexual experiences with people who are not me, that's okay with me. I'm not saying it makes me comfortable. I'll probably feel, it hasn't happened to me yet. Uh, it, it might make me uncomfortable, but I would be uncomfortable being a person who said you can't do that. And, and then on the reverse side, I feel the same for me. I feel like it's very important for people to be able to be to have some freedom. You can have commitment and freedom at the same time. I truly believe that. You know, I'm, I can't be in multiple relationships. I'm not like polyamorous. I, I, I don't think I could, I don't have enough wherewithal to date more than one person at a time, to be emotionally committed to more than one person. That sounds exhausting. I, I, you know, one is plenty. But sexually, if I'm curious about having an experience with somebody, I still, and I want to be able to flirt with people still. I, I love flirting and I, and I would like to be wanted. And if I, that's still important to me, but I'm committed in a relationship with somebody else, why, why can't I have that? I mean, people have friendships, people have, right? Like I remember once my husband saying to me, this was like maybe a year before we split up. I wish you would talk to me the way that you talk to your girlfriends. Like you're so free and happy with them. You know, you're so open and free and happy and you're never really like that with me. And so for me, it's like sex is just another aspect of that. Like if I need to go fulfill something in me, if I have an itch, you know, that needs to be desired by somebody totally different than the guy I'm dating, it's just, I'm just scratching an itch and then I go back. You're just so scratching an itch. Yeah. Um, what if your husband had said, I'm just scratching an itch, forgive me and uh, let's keep together. Let's stay together. Well, if he'd come to me and talked about it with me, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, I say I say very openly in the book and in interviews, I've said very openly that if he had had a one night stand, I'm not sure that it would have killed me. 
you know, I and I don't even know. If, I mean, he says he, he claims he didn't. But this man had a lot of freedom. He traveled a lot in, in the course of our lives together. So I'm not convinced it didn't happen. And I don't I would have wanted to know, you know, but I but I don't think I would have been. It just would have been sex. I'm OK with that. That's not what happened. You know, in his case, he fell in love with another woman. That was not acceptable to me. And so that's what I'm talking about. There's commitment. You're committed to be in love with me. I have to be the only one you're in a relationship with. So it's been four years and you really think uh, you've lived yeah. your best life. That's great. Congratulations. I feel like I'm living life on my own terms now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there were a lot of things. It was scary to write that book. It was scary to put myself out there. I did it. I survived. You know, it didn't kill me. Like none of this has killed me yet. I'm still here. So well, and, and uh, it, it was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful to spend Labor Day weekend with you, even if it was <laughs> just <you. laughs> virtually via Audible. But um, thank you. I, 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 uh, I've gone through my own uh, situations and uh, and it was really interesting for me to to have a girlfriend. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and maybe your husband was right when he, uh, wanted you to uh, speak to him, like you speak to your girlfriends. Cause I felt mm -hmm. like you were speaking to me, like uh, you were my girlfriend or one of my friends and, uh, that happened to be female. And, um, and I loved it. And uh, I loved the stories, but more than just the stories, which were, you know, kind of titillating and, and stuff like that. Um, were the experiences, um, because I mm -hmm. think that there is a lot of lessons uh, in in what you wrote. And so thank you so much, Laura Friedman Williams, for for today, for the last interview and for the book, which I really enjoyed reading. And I commend it to uh, anyone that uh, number one, wants some fun, but then also number two, for anyone that's going through a divorce or a separation mm -hmm. or some infidelity uh, or wondering about what to do in middle life. Uh, um, it's a great book. Uh, remind us uh, what it's called and uh, where one can find it. Thank you, Brian. Uh, it's called Available, a memoir of sex and dating after a marriage ends. And you can find it on Audible, on Amazon. You can also find me on Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, reach out to me. I always answer. I love to hear from readers and listeners. It always delights me to know what people think. And actually, Brian, I wish I wish I could interview you because I I'm so curious about the male perspective. You know, I still, I'm curious about the male perspective, reading the female perspective. So, uh, you know, if you ever want me to interview you on your radio, show. Invite me back. I'll have that a list of questions. Like a, I'll be ready. That sounds like a fun time. <laughs> yeah. That's our show for tonight, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm on every Monday through Friday at 6 o'clock on 960 AM. You can stream me online at www.saga960am.ca. You can get all my podcasts and video casts online at briancrombie.com on YouTube and on Audible, Audible uh, podcasts, uh, uh, Speakeasy, etc. Thanks. Good night, everybody. Laura, have a great time. Thank you. Thank you. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.